0: really really future oriented and, and driving our business out over the next couple of years and i think that's also the kind of mindset you need now that's uh, you need to have a hunting attitude a business entrepreneurial attitude otherwise uh, you can't forget about all that so you really need that growth mindset and you, you can really take the opportunities of digitalization mm-hmm.
1: Welcome to the Loss and Transformation podcast series, dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share first-hand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Thomas Gottschalk is the head of digital at BASF Performance Chemicals, responsible for digitalization and IT with a lot of expertise working in China and in Germany. He's been a part of the digital transformation of BASF and shares his first-hand view of that experience and what it takes to successfully transform a big corporation. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Thomas. I'm very happy to have you on the podcast today on loss and transformation. And I'm very excited to have you on and thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, you are the head of digital at BASF Performance Chemicals, also with a lot of experience in the field of digitalization and innovation, and also a lot of experience in China and in Europe. Very exciting. And today we're going to have a closer look at the digitalization journey at BASF and how you're also driving these efforts in your role and to begin with i'm happy to hear more about yourself first to get to know you a bit better can you share more about your background your experience to help us understand more about you and your work in general
0: absolutely thanks uh, for being here thanks for the invitation yeah my my name is Thomas Gottschalk and I work at at BASF which is a chemical company as some of you uh, may know um, myself working at a chemical company, I'm a chemist originally, I did a PhD degree in chemistry in, in Switzerland and uh, started in BASF working on uh, R&D for nutrition, interestingly. Over time, I uh, then moved more and more into the digital sphere. And now since last year, I'm running the uh, digital team in uh, one of F11 operating divisions, which is called Performance Chemicals, uh, a very B2B industrial chemicals business uh, that is actually very diverse. Uh, For example, uh, we're selling plastic additives, uh, everything that you need to really uh, make plastics uh, usable on an industrial scale. We're selling chemicals for the mining industry. We're selling chemicals for the automotive industry, uh, fuel and lubricant solutions. So very diverse, very interesting business all B2B industrial with a few small exceptions, but very, very dynamic. And and I think a very interesting part of the company.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Also great for me to learn more about what you're doing in more detail in the B2B space. And you have been with the company in different departments and in different locations and have experienced the whole world basically before the transformation journey that we're going to talk more about today. Could you explain a bit how things used to work at BASF before the change and the transformation took place?
0: Absolutely. I can explain my personal journey in, in our digitalization endeavors, which has been going on now for good six years or even longer. In 2014, I was actually at the time I was in China, uh, part of building up our research campus there, R&D campus, the second largest R&D location outside our home campus in Ludwigshafen. And I was responsible at the time for building up a mathematics team there. Uh, So that was, I realized there is a lot of demand for uh, services that today you would probably call digitalization. Uh, Be it like, how do I design my experiments in R&D so uh, that uh, I get to the best results, Or how do I optimize my supply chain network uh, to uh, be able to deliver to my customers in the right and the best way? Or how do I understand my business data better, uh, which today you would probably call uh, business analytics business intelligence and all all that kind of things were happening i think in 2014 but looking back very very small scale i think very scattered Uh, and and i think in in large parts also just we didn't have the means, I think, to bring those technology in a user-friendly way to uh, the employees or even to our customers. We were good at, at dealing with the mathematics, but uh, we were not good at uh, making users experience that in, in a way that it's really attractive and it's really spreading across the company and, and spreading out in, into our customers' uh, sphere, of course. In 2015, then, I think a big change happened in that our uh, CEO at the time said, OK, there is this digital thing now are we doing enough? Are we using all the opportunities it has for us? Uh, He suspects it's probably a big opportunity for a company like us uh, to do more in digitalization. So he founded a team in his direct Vincini team that was tasked with dealing with digitalization and, and not just building a plan, but implementing this essentially. And I became part of that team and, uh, the first five uh, who joined that team were people, I think, from different domains uh, who, at least the others, uh, were very respected in, in their respective fields, I would say. So we had one from manufacturing, for example, who was a really seasoned, well-accepted manufacturing leader. Or we had someone from business who was uh, running a whole business in, in North America for BISF, very, very respected people. And with all of them, we then tried to shape the point of, of digitalization for us. We, we tried to figure out how could we make this actually to meet uh, the CEO's expectations, to make this a big opportunity for us and, and to get out the most from this. And I think in the beginning, this was 2015. This was a world of a lot of hype, I would say, uh, a lot of useless uh, information. Uh, I think a lot of consultant, blah, blah, uh, a lot of, you know, Blockchain here and this and that there. So it was uh, very very hard in the beginning to cut through the noise and and to understand what does really make sense for us Now how do we really make this an opportunity for our company and not uh, just um, blind sightedly jump on the. Platform, blockchain, whatever hype, and, and, and do very technology driven things that at the end of the day don't uh, make a business benefit. But I think we managed to to work towards this by focusing on real results on a very small scale early on. Uh, I think that that was probably the approach we took at the time. We said, okay, we don't want to make no, big PowerPoint presentations about uh, blockchain, sorry to uh, quote that example so often, uh, or platforms. Uh, we want to take benefits and, and one of our first projects for example was uh, with a very very seasoned and well accepted plant manager or, or operations leader he was even more than a plant manager in one of our really basic chemicals operations so at the heart of the company and and that guy came and said you know guys i think that i can have a lot of more uptime in my plant. a lost less downtime if we just use the modern technologies that are available by analyzing the data properly, uh, by uh, making sure we understand if certain equipment degrades, uh, by predicting operation status a few hours or a few days ahead. And uh, that would cause millions and millions of operational profits uh, for bears every day essentially so that that would be a huge huge opportunity so that was one of the large first projects we started and i think uh, we were quite successful relatively early on because we really focused on solving that problem and we saw what kind of technologies uh, came out of that and we had a couple of those uh, kind of projects in different domains. And I think that was what carried us through the first uh, two years so to get also a certain acceptance in the company is that we were solving actual problems and, and, and really contributing in a way that people could see it and not uh, writing theoretical dissertations about uh, platforms, but uh, to, to, let's say, make sure we deliver a very, very tangible and feelable benefit now that people can really feel this in, in their real life.
1: Really interesting to hear from the very beginning how you mentioned, okay, it was very mathematical at first, and then you really wanted to cut through the noise and make transformation also more tangible and really solve problems. I think early on, probably this was something very big to take on, especially in such Mm. a big corporate And yeah, then you were mentioning you were part of that digitalization or digital transformation team and really tackling this firsthand. And could you tell us more about the start of the the transformation journey? Like, could you tell us more about any of the first approaches in solving problems that you mentioned?
0: I think in the beginning, we started with problems and did not know how to solve them. But I think that was also within hindsight probably the benefit in in that we weren't uh, looking at this from an overly technology-driven perspective. But one of my first projects was, for example, in in, in a certain field of uh, innovation for PSF. I was responsible for the innovation topics in that team. We felt that we had a tremendous amount of data. It was catalyst research, but let's say this data, also the the leaders in that field uh, felt was not used to the way it could be used Uh, so that uh, at the end of the day the uh, efficacy the the, uh, performance of that uh, research was hindered by uh, not having enough data transparency and not using the data in the right way and yeah i think that was we tried many things in the beginning and some didn't work Uh, i think that's very clear Uh, so we tried we brought in different people who were specialized for example on different kinds of databases data management and, and there were a few approaches that just were extremely complicated and just didn't work uh, so but that was fine because i think we tried several things at the same time so after a couple of weeks something stick to the wall and, and we saw okay if you do it like this it's working uh, i think it was with graph databases at the time something um, probably you don't do if you plan this too much but this worked and we could uh, show really nice results relatively early on and in that we could more easily select good candidates in that research from from bad candidates so so good um, research samples from bad research samples uh, much much faster than this was possible before Uh, that is of course fantastic if you do innovation if you know earlier uh, which of the samples will carry a success and yeah I think that was an important step that uh, people saw these results and how did we get there i think it became also there because we combined uh, this at the time new database technology that was new for us at the time with very established uh, know-how and we took on board also the really really experienced guys who uh, have been doing for example mathematics on r&d topics for decades uh, or uh, who really really knew about these uh, catalyst systems so we tried to to make this not a separate thing we, we try to not say okay here is the new shiny digital world of uh, catalyst research and there is the old world that we take uh, some of the people from the old world make them also really really important in, in the new world and that was i think decisive for the success of these early projects because these people really knew what they were doing they just didn't have maybe the means before to bring all their competencies to um, a higher level of effect also because there wasn't the, uh, the digital infrastructure at the time and everything so i think by, by combining the new technologies with the old knowledge and with the old experience and understanding uh, i think in this field be drastically moved forward. I think it was the same in the operations topic, of course. Now, I mean, if you uh, want to know how to predict if a heat exchanger will fail, uh, you better have someone on board who really knows about heat exchangers. Huh? It definitely pays out to do that. So that, uh, I think, was good in the beginning. And the fortunate thing was, I think, that we could show these successes relatively early on. Uh, I think that was also a function of just doing very, very few projects. If we had done a lot of projects here and there and many, many, many projects, then I think none of them would have come to uh, an actual result. Uh, And and that was uh, certainly a success factor. So uh, that was important for convincing others. And uh, I think we also realized only later that, let's say, the whole delivery capabilities, if we talk about software that we needed, just weren't there at the beginning. I think we we didn't know this in the beginning because we didn't really know what we were missing, uh, but I think we saw that uh, things only started working once we got software delivery a bit under control, where we found uh, certain partners uh, to help us with that, where we uh, really got more understanding of how to develop software in an agile and iterative manner. Uh, I think that was really, really important, but it was, uh, it was a difficult and hard journey. That, that was not fun in, in all cases. Um, so that was, uh, I think, a big part of the first two years to actually start building software. I think that we, we didn't really do that before no? in, in many cases. So that that was a very, very big change. And I think also in my personal experience, uh, it just was really, really difficult.
1: Yeah, but it sounds super exciting. And I think, like, as you mentioned, combining kind of like the best of both worlds, you know, the new mm-hmm. technology and then also experience people with a lot of know-how. That sounds like a recipe for success. So <laughs> I think it was really exciting to be part of that from the very beginning on. And now looking at where you are right now, looking at your current position, being head of digital at BASF Performance Chemicals, how did that change happen? Or how did you go to where you are right now? Or could you let us know a bit more detail what you're doing in your role and which problems you're tackling there?
0: Absolutely. I think over time, then say five years down the road, we were at a point where we we realized that the time of running this as a central project is is kind of over. Uh, This didn't um, make really much additional sense. So the important thing was to spread this out and and bring the responsibility of uh, digitalization to the businesses. Uh, We have 11 operating divisions more than 50 uh, businesses and uh, they need to uh, digitize their own business essentially the capabilities are there now i think so um, it's, it's responsible of every uh, operating division to just do this and execute this and take advantage of the opportunities. And of course, the saying is drink your old Kool-Aid. So, of course, I uh, joined um, the path that we proposed and uh, became head of digital at uh, one of the operating divisions in BASF Performance Chemicals. And there my job now is, uh, I think, to drive and and, and to kind of uh, help uh, the operating division to go down that path of further digitalization and to Uh, just make sure we are moving ahead uh, at the end of the day and to uh, making sure we develop these uh, capabilities to uh, bring for example really exciting experiences to our customers that make them buy more more often uh, or or buy solutions that they otherwise uh, wouldn't necessarily buy from us or simply to build our, our capabilities of doing that kind of thing. I think one of the biggest changes in digitalization is moving from a world of planning and making uh, large IT projects with Large uh, project descriptions and then that kind of things that you then um, send out to service providers or so uh, to move actually to a uh, doing uh, mindset no? and, and to uh, just do things and then execute them right away, iteratively, agile, in agile manner. Uh, so that when you see, okay, our customers, we think they need uh, some sort of technical advice on the internet, uh, let's just build it and uh, let's put uh, the next version on, on the internet next week and, and uh, see how it works and improve that uh, on a day by day basis. I think to come to that kind of capability uh, that's certainly a big part of my job but i'm happy i'm happy where i am because i think we have a leadership that definitely sees the opportunities of uh, digitalization and i think we are uh, following already uh, really would say transformational initiatives uh, for the industry where we're selling to uh, like for example uh, we're working with a startup company uh, and to make a, an offering that is called the BASF intelligent mine where the business is uh, basically offering digital solutions that increase the productivity of a mine uh, in a way that is unheard of before when I mean, you can imagine it's very difficult to run a mine because uh, the material uh, you put into your processing plant it changes all the time Time, no? because the stone and the ore just changes all the time. It's, it's not homogeneous. So uh, the old-fashioned way, of course, was that you had an operator sitting in that processing plant who was uh, adjusting this all the time. And then, of course, yeah, okay, you, you will never get that perfect. Uh, but with this digital solution that uh, IntelliSense and NBSF together are offering to the market, you can run a mine close to like an industrial plant runs, uh, I would say. It's a really, really high performance continuously over time. Uh, you can increase of course the safety of your operations here just have a much much higher productivity uh, from from your asset and that's a really really big step Uh, and i think there we are really proud of uh, that because we found that startup partners we have a big technology advantage in that we have definitely for sure the most advanced solution in in that space by far Uh, and we're combining that uh, with what bsf brings which is a deep understanding for the mining industry decades of experience uh, also uh, a deep understanding of course in how the chemicals work that are integral um, to processing ores, uh, and bringing that knowledge uh, that we have and and this uh, market intimacy together with the power the delivery power the speed uh, the ai capabilities and the software capabilities of, of that startup i think that can be really transformational for the industry so uh, i think that's really really big thing for us in in the market and so uh, uh, you see that that kind of dynamics is I think what I really like in the place where I am now uh, because we also have business leaders who think in that way now who think okay yeah of course we're going to sell mining chemicals now and and we're not going to stop that but uh, can't we also build up the second business next to the mining chemicals that is really really future oriented and and driving our business out over the next couple of years and I think that's also the kind of mindset you need now that's uh, you need to have a hunting at attitude business entrepreneurial attitude otherwise uh, you can't forget about all that now you can maybe digitize a few travel cost forms but uh, then you're done also. so you really need that growth mindset then you can really take the opportunities of digitalization
1: yeah Definitely. I think it's super interesting to hear also as in like tangible examples of what you're working on. And I think it makes a lot of sense also you saying that the company does tackle the whole transformation process as a central thing, but actually spreads out the responsibilities. And as you were mentioning, you are much closer to the market. You understand the industry a lot better in the different divisions. So that's very exciting. And I think then you're very, you know, hands on on the individual problem problems and can really tackle Mm -hmm. them with the know-how that you have. And yeah, I think uh, with the whole journey that you also touched upon, where you were saying, okay, it started back then in 2014, 2015, with the first approaches and now looking at where you are today, I think you probably learned a lot along the way too. What would you say all in all is your biggest learning or takeaway from the journey? Any tips you would like to especially highlight for the listeners?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there there's quite a few. And I think the one that I said is this. I think for us it was important to build on our own strengths uh, and and to shape offerings for the market that just work for us and where our customers also really get a benefit from our our legacy. Now I think that's um, we did that in in many businesses, in in the catalyst business, in the automotive coating business, now in the mining business. Uh, I think it's really a differentiation. If someone comes in, so I don't know the. Automotive coating business and then tries to offer a digital solution now that improves something there, but has no idea about automotive coatings is probably not going to work. Uh, so I think that's where we can really win uh, as an established corporate in, um, let's say, having a lot of industries where we have a very, very, very high understanding of what's happening at, at the customer, and then adding digital technology to the mix and making offerings that are really, really attractive and really work for the customers and, and do great things for them. Uh, so that was i think in my opinion the strongest point that we have and and, i don't know if i can recommend this to everyone because i think everyone has to find this for themselves now there are uh, the strengths to build upon but i think it's it's where where we can compete uh, the best and i think the second part that learning for me definitely was is uh, you should never underestimate the changes in mindset that are required to deliver that kind of stuff to get into this agile mode and i think this is often agile i think is misused and used too much in a superficial and and process oriented manner so it's agile is not about running design thinking workshops that's not the point i mean you, you guys know this design thinking workshops are a tool, but it's it's not agile. Agile means that uh, what I described before, now that you tackle a problem, you bring up a solution relatively early on, uh, you, you wait for the feedback from the customers, you change the solution according to the feedback uh, you receive, uh, you have delivery capabilities in, in your own shop or together with partners that allow for that kind of work. Uh, I think none of that is there or was there in 2014 because uh, we had a very, very bureaucratic project planning processes that just wouldn't allow for that kind of work Uh, we didn't have the people who were able to make these changes and these iterations quickly because we hadn't hired such people in the decades before because there was no need and uh, i think the mindset of the people there's a dramatic change needed uh, that you don't see an an agile way of working as uh, yeah just playing around now because it's not it's serious software development or serious development of solutions that is actually superior to the, uh, let's say, traditional way in certain types of project, at least. Uh, and uh, getting to that mindset, I think, uh, required for us people seeing that. now. seeing is believing. Is so, uh, Getting to that point where you really have these really high speeds and, and where you really can deliver stuff that customers really like and, and give really good feedbacks for. Uh, but. Of course, we we needed to overcome that first barrier to get to that, but uh, that was certainly one of the most, or that is still one of the most decisive uh, things to tackle, uh, the ability to deliver uh, in, in an agile manner.
1: Yeah, I think those are really cool hands-on tips, also what you were mentioning to kind of figure out what are your strengths and then really building on them and also focusing on the customer and building those solutions that really put them in the focus. And yeah, I think that's super interesting. I think, I mean, as you mentioned, this is something that you also learned along the way um, that wasn't there like six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think like having that experience and going through all of this by yourself really helps to learn that. And early Earlier, you were also touching upon a couple of mistakes. You said, like, obviously, this is not, like, successful from the start and you have to make the mistakes to learn from them. Do you have examples of mistakes that you did where you can say, okay, this is something you can share for people to avoid them, perhaps?
0: (laughs) Yeah, good question, if you can avoid them. But I think we had a lot of projects that just didn't work for various reasons. And uh, I think if I look back, uh, what was the biggest predictor for failure. I think it was always priority simply, uh, very simply. Virtually all projects fail where someone was doing that with like 5% of their time in addition to what other things they are doing. Uh, 100% failure rate, I think. Uh, and, and that means you can only do very few projects. Uh, it's very clearly, And if you don't have this as a priority, forget about it. They're very simple. Because these things start small, but they all become so much work and, and so much effort and, and so much time and and also money that uh, need to be invested to, to make real solutions that work for the customer that uh, you really need to take that as a priority and and if you don't have this priority don't do it and uh, for us this was always fine because it was better to have fewer projects with a higher priority than uh, more projects with a lower priority and uh, that was probably my biggest learning over time that uh, all of these projects where someone was half interested in they all didn't work
1: yeah So to really put in that commitment and really prioritize on what you're doing to see the best results as well. And um, I think those are great takeaways as well. And now that we've talked a lot about your journey with BASF over the last... Couple of years or a lot of years that you've been with the company. Now we want to look ahead and kind of look into the future. Also in your role as head of digital, Mm -hmm. there is there anything that you are especially looking forward to, or anything you're excited about that's coming up?
0: Absolutely, I think it's enabling our operating division also to have a much deeper and and better relationship, even with our customers, to provide really exciting experiences for them, also on the internet, to really be also a company that provides more and more value uh, for our customers also through using digital tools. I think that's extremely exciting. And uh, I I think just seeing how much digital is is becoming an integral part of the core business essentially, and and the core business is uh, becoming more modern and also um, increasingly having new offerings as as a consequence of digital. That's, uh, I think, where, where we're steering to. It's a very continuous process, uh, I think. So I'm really happy to be a part of that journey.
1: Yeah, I think like totally, as you were mentioning, it's a continuous journey. It's like we're still on it. And I'm also really curious to see where this will go in the next couple of years. And also really exciting to hear about what you have already accomplished so far. So I think that's really inspiring. And yeah, so I think that's also like an exciting outlook for the future that you just mentioned. Thomas, thank you so much for sharing all about the journey of digital transformation and change at BASF, or basically your journey with it and for sharing all of the tips and the mistakes along the way. I think it's really inspiring to hear how the company started its journey and to see then how far you've all come and where you're also heading in the future. Yeah, it's been amazing having you here on the show and thank you again.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much
1: for listening to this episode of lost and transformation if you enjoy our podcast please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on itunes join us next time for another episode of our podcast